everybody welcome to episode 19 of the handsome hockey podcast once more on Squadcast. due to inclement weather in the portland metro area we're supposed to get something like a tenth of an inch of ice tonight and it's supposed to be snowing right now maybe it is i don't know it's not snowing again yet but it is it's gross outside (laughs) if anyone hasn't experienced portland winter it sucks it's sort of just like ice and more ice and you can't skate on it and nobody knows what to do with it so i went for a walk yesterday just up and down my street and there was a car parked on an angle about two feet from the curb <laughs> and i was like what are you doing bud oh and then i saw the license plate was texas and i was like oh, oh okay yeah nobody knows what to do here the city doesn't know what to do so you're all buses are shut down yeah, even tra- though they have chains on yes uh, and, and trains are shut down do you know how many times snow plows went down my street yesterday and weren't plowing they're just driving around I did see this amazing thing. So apparently the nation of Scotland has named all of its snowplows and you can (laughs) follow them online. Is there a Plowy McPlowface? No, but there was a bunch of really good ones. One's name is Gritty Gritty Bang Bang. (laughs) That should be in Philly. Credence Clear Road Revival. Sled Zeppelin. That's better. Sir Salter Scott. That's a good one. Plower of Scotland. Uh, That's what I was looking for. Bear Chills. Mary Queen. <laughs> Mary Queen of Salt. Lord Coldemort and you're a blizzard, Harry. Um, <laughs> License to Chill and Snowdozer. Thank you, uh, Scotland, for that. That's pretty good. But the best part is you can follow them via GPS. Oh. <laughs> like the nation. So you can see which named plow is going past you? Yeah, which which plow is doing what. You can see which plow has just buried your car and you can like tweet at it angrily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so speaking of inclement weather, yes. Uh, the world's longest hockey game is currently underway, benefiting cancer research, and they are some warriors. Holy crap. Have you heard about the conditions that they're playing in? It's like negative 40 or something like that. Yeah, they're like their heaters are breaking. People are just getting cut by the puck. I think right. um, I think they had like goalie pads break or like goalie pads are becoming brittle. Like it's too cold for the leather. They have warming shacks that have lost power and, you know, I guess they need more warming shacks this year because of COVID and it's bonkers. The current score after 236 hours, 52 minutes of play is 2,469 to 2,382. And which team is winning? Red over white. The high score for red is Braden Hughes with 389 goals and he's... He or she, I guess, has put in 
about 100 more goals than the next competitor. So that that's MVP there right there. There's not really a debate as to who's going to win the MVP this year. It's probably the person who has over 100 more goals than everybody else. Yeah, that's averaging almost a goal and a half an hour. Assuming you're not playing the whole time. Like, yeah, this is the person that you want on your team at the beer league skate. (laughs) They'll be the first draft pick next year. Yeah, most importantly, they have raised their goal was 1.5 million and they are over it. They've raised 1.5 plus about another 25,000 at this point. What an awesome kind of way to raise money and awareness. It's for cancer research, correct? Yeah, and they actually publish on their website, uh, worldslongestgame.ca. They're not just fundraising for a nonprofit or like, you know, for cancer, quote unquote. They're fundraising for specific cancer remedies. So I guess this is a new drug clinical trial called PCLX001 at the Cross Cancer Institute for specific hematological cancers. So blood cancers. Well, yeah, what a what an amazing way to kind of put both your love of something and your desire to to raise awareness or to bring or get money into your charity of choice. And so, you know, how many people do something like this with their time and and it's awesome to see a bunch of a group of people come together to raise awareness and also get to play hockey for several days straight, which I'm yeah. incredibly jealous of. They are not past their record yet. Their record is 251 hours. So they have about a half a day, a day before they're over that again. Something tells me they'll make it and this will be the most incredible game just due to all of the issues that you listed earlier with oh, yeah. massive amounts of failures and also dealing with COVID. Yeah, it's really cool that, you know, you can create a spectacle and also do really good work benefiting efforts to, you know, mitigate such terrible disease. And also, you know, just be fun and wholesome and and it just looks like this big love fest that they're having up there for hockey. Like, I've always had it as a bucket list item to go and play at the, uh, what is it, Eagle River, the World Pond Hockey Championships. Mm Mm-hmm. But somehow this seems more fun and more bucket list worthy. So I don't know. This might go on my my hockey bucket list, either ahead or replacing the uh, the pond hockey championships. My big question is, are they Molson or Labatt's people? <laughs> Why are you going to discriminate either way? I like both. They're such different beers. I, well, I grew up in Michigan, and so I think we grew up kind of drinking, not grew up, but, you know, we drank a lot of Labatt's. Labatt Blue is the first beer I ever had in my entire life. Or and it was in life, your, uh, your sippy cup as a baby? Uh, probably, yeah. But grew up I, drinking it. But I've come to appreciate Molson a lot more as, an, as, as a fine adult. And anytime I see it, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting that. But you just, you just never see either of them, either in grocery stores or on tap. So uh, this game is it's spot, uh, not sponsored, but organized by Brent Sate. And they've done eight games and raised over $5.47 million so far. Do we want to move on to... Yeah, I was thinking of a segue, but say let's just jump in. We are still in the middle of February. We're still celebrating Black History Month. And so we wanted to just kind of, uh, once again, put a spotlight on some really cool uh, stories and some really great resources for people who are interested in seeing 
not only the contributions that people of color have made to the sport of hockey, but also the ways in which the NHL and other entities are celebrating the influences and the impact that they've had. You know, it's something we're learning a lot about. And so, you know, we just turn around and put this knowledge out there. There's also some news about uh, Willie O'Ree. It was planned to have sort of, was it a jersey retirement or just sort of an honor ring ceremony? A a Um, number retirement. Okay, it was a a number retirement. So they've decided to push that back until uh, they can have fans in the building, which I commend them for that making that move. It's no fun to probably be in an empty building getting your jersey retired, so good for them. Another thing we forgot to mention before, but uh, Willie O'Ree um, both has a movie about his life out on Peacock, NBC's streaming service, but also appears in Soul on Ice, which is another movie about the Colored Hockey League and the stories of black hockey players. Both are movies that I'm going to watch before the month is out, but I just wanted to, you know, plug them again and hopefully get more people interested in these stories and how much the Colored Hockey League actually benefited the game of hockey. The Colored Hockey League pioneered icing the puck, or freezing the puck, sorry, goalies freezing the puck. You know, that was an innovation by that league, just for one example. So I know that they made some game contributions that we see today in the the NHL. Soul on Ice is also a podcast over on NHL.com. And mm-hmm. You can listen to, they have a bunch of episodes up, some with players and talking about their experiences. One of the recent ones was Al Montoya, a player of Latin heritage playing in the NHL. They also have executives. There's an interview with Gary Bettman in there. They do stuff with women's players. There's a, an interview with somebody from EA Sports. And so it's it's a very wide-ranging collective of people who are being interviewed for this podcast and getting a lot of different perspectives. And so I've listened to a couple episodes. I definitely... Uh, so Al Montoya played at Michigan, and when I saw he was on there, I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to that. And that was a really interesting podcast. The Matt Dumba episode was excellent. You can find it on NHL.com. You can find it you know wherever podcasts are. Um, but it's it's a really interesting look into the ways in which people of color... Uh, have have impacted the game and or the impact the game has had on them and their stories of getting into the league, whether it was marred by racism or just the challenges of getting the league, or if it was just talking about their experience of how they became an NHL player, like what they had to do, their regimen, like where they came from. It's a very cool podcast and highly recommended. One thing that I wasn't conscious of before and learned through some of the uh, Black History Month hockey coverage was about the 2000 to 2001 Oilers team, which had five black hockey players on at once. And that was five of 16 at the time in the league. So, you know, a huge percentage. Um, so that was Georges Larocq, Sean Brown, Anson Carter, Joaquin Gage, and Mike Greer, three of which, you know, I've known and been fans of between Larocque and, and Anson Carter's everywhere now. So to think of 20 years ago, having such a progressive team up in Edmonton of all places. Well, I mean, I remember going to see Anson Carter play in college. I, I grew up oh, yeah. 20 minutes from Michigan State and going to see him at Mon Ice Arena. And, you know, it's a pretty profound experience when you're a young kid and there's one black guy on the ice and like you realize that you know hockey isn't really just for white people it's predominantly white and that becomes extremely obvious when watching it but being able to go to the local college 
which granted Michigan State is inferior to the University of Michigan, but still <laughs> very cool. And then, <laughs> but uh, it was really cool as a kid to be able to go and experience that. Yeah. And Anson Carter does just amazing work. You know, he founded his own media company, Big Up Entertainment, after retiring from professional hockey. And he co-founded clothing line that donates uniforms to school children in Africa. It's called Shirt Off My Back, in addition to his roles for NBC Sports and and Madison Square Garden. So, you know, there's a reason that the NHL has turned to him to promote black hockey players and, and their stories is because he's a really, really great guy, excellent orator, and someone that can really champion that that cause. Speaking of championing causes, a while back, not too long ago, we had Bell Let's Talk Day. Mm. Talking about mental health, a bunch of hockey players either tweeted or Instagram that hashtag Bell Let's Talk. A bunch of the NHL teams put out a statement or put out some social media. You know, let's yeah, talk everybody about kind health. of everybody kind of had a, a, a chorus role in that whole thing. Yeah, it, it, one day it was everywhere. You know, I didn't exactly know about it coming into it. And then all of a sudden, Bell Let's Talk was everywhere. And I was like, oh, what is this? Oh, mental health advocacy. Oh, that's cute that some of the goon people are involved in this too. And then they fired everybody. In the Just middle everybody. Of a pandemic. You know, they, they shut down, what was it, three or four radio station, talk radio stations in greater Canada. Some people Canada. found out that they were fired and that their uh, station didn't exist anymore, like on Twitter. They couldn't even make the let's talk happen, let people know that they weren't working. This was after they received a huge subsidy from the government, mm -hmm. used that to buy back shares, mm -hmm. make money Increase for their, their dividend yeah, to shareholders, make money for shareholders, fired a bunch of people and didn't tell them. And then as like one of the bigger slaps in the face that I saw was the, the Winnipeg station, I believe was changed to a comedy station mm -hmm. and they were pushing posts from Ellen DeGeneres, who has also been recently ridiculed for how she treats her employees and people around her. And so, like, it's this double slap in the face. Also, they signed off the air with Green Day's Good Riddance. And, yeah. like, I don't know if they had ever read the title of that song. I know the line, I hope you have the time of your life. But the the song is named Good Riddance. Fuck you, Belle. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, pretty tough to see. You know, my heart goes out to all of the people that have had to pivot to do something other than work for Bell recently. I think there are about 15 more hockey podcasts out there now as we're in the past two weeks as yeah. a result of this because everyone has taken to having a hockey podcast. And they have radio um, voices that we don't have. <laughs> uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> and, then, and then I was watching hockey later that night and Winnipeg was playing and their helmet sponsor is Bell. And I was mm -hmm. like, can you imagine being somebody who had done talk radio in Winnipeg as an employee? One of the for stations Bell? that yeah. was contracted. Yes. And they, they weren't even contracted. They just changed their formatting to something that involves paying nobody. It's yeah. just like repeating cheap content. Yeah. And so, like, can you imagine like just being like, all right, you know what? This sucks. This is terrible, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit down and watch the Jets game. I'm just gonna sit down and watch the Jets game. And then every time they show a Jets player, you get to see the people who just fired you on the side of the helmet of the team that you love and support. So really cool, Bell. Really awesome. Yeah, it's in the worst times you'd think that people would band together or show some humanity and 
but then you forget that capitalism exists and mm-hmm. and Bell's just, you know, showing us how it's done. Yeah, and putting their logo on a helmet, like talk about getting your bell rung. Oh. Okay, now we're So this is just Sorry. part of uh part of Canada's larger pivot to being Sparta. They've announced their intention to actually restructure their whole society into tiers, sort of like Starship Troopers. So instead of having to serve in the military to gain your citizenship, uh, you have to be a professional hockey player. So NHL players are now allowed to dine indoors in Ontario, yet nobody else can. That's kind of (laughs) weird. This is, are their families allowed to? Or is it just the players themselves? Like, are staff members allowed to? Like, if you're the, the... Zamboni driver for the for the Maple Leafs, do you get to go into a restaurant? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's not even... <laughs> Nobody on the taxi squad can go right. into a restaurant, but if you're on the big squad... <laughs> First off, you're screwing restaurant employees, right? So they have to come and work on the off chance that Mitch Marner wants a cupcake. But like... <laughs> <laughs> but... But you can't have regular everyday citizens come in and like actually make money for this business. Like, hopefully, hopefully John Tavares has got a whole bunch of his millions of dollars set aside for tips this time. Because like that's that's ridiculous. And also, hockey players don't want to go out to eat because they want to keep on playing hockey. And if they get COVID, that screws everything up. So like as of right now, Jesse Puljujarvi is the only player for a team in Canada that has been put on the COVID list. And I really hope that like creating a caste system is not what is the downfall of the North Division this year. Like, like this is how we've decided that we're going to reward Canadian teams for for being COVID free for the most part is by giving them more opportunities to get COVID. Why don't you make a system so that they can get DoorDash <laughs> delivered like everybody else? And then, oh yeah, don't create a system that disenfranchises people who aren't hockey players. That's like, like I know everybody plays hockey in Canada, but not everybody plays it at the NHL level. Like this is stupid. It's a bad look. And it's just like a more of like a haves versus have nots thing. That is, if you ever want to see me get pissed off, bring up inequalities in like rich versus poor. And I just like, Mm. I get them's fighting words to me. (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, you know, this has already probably been a bit of a caste system that has existed in Canada between hockey players and non-hockey players, but it's also just one province. You know, this is just Ontario and yeah, it's the, their premier is Doug Ford, which is, isn't that Rob Ford's brother? Like, uh, probably they're all related. And it's also predicated on the fact that the NHL is doing so much testing and the players are otherwise sequestered and they aren't leaving Canada. But still, it it is not a good look, as you say. And it just makes me think of Canada as hockey playing Starship Troopers. I, Americans are the bugs. That metaphor works perfectly. And I fully support Starship Troopers because as crappy as a movie as that is, it's pretty awesome. It's kind of like Idiocracy in that the first time you watch it, you're like, this movie is really dumb. And then the second time you watch it, you're like, this movie is fucking brilliant. This movie Um, is saying a lot more than I anticipated from a movie about killing bugs. It's based on a book. And the book is actually like really dark, hard satire of sort of military industrial complex. And the movie is buried you have to 
it's really more in like think the, to like get the satire. It's more like they talk about the infantry versus the navy. What if mm-hmm. the uh, navy flies them and infantry dies them? Is the, like the <laughs> is the phrase that Casper Van Diem, who was like twenty nine when this movie was filmed, but plays a high school student. Um, yeah, and we all know and that Denise the, Denise Richards. Denise Richards. Who else is in that movie? Jake Busey is in that movie. Oh yeah, jeez. Uh, I rewatched it a couple years ago, and I was like, I still really enjoy this movie. It's good. oh, I love it. So you know who's really happy to be out of this candidate stratified society? Who is uh, more glad to be out of the Starship Trooper lifestyle in Canada than Jack Roslovic? I mean, that might end up being the real deciding factor in this trade is Roslovic. I mean, he has looked like a world beater since coming over to Columbus. I don't think he's a world beater long term, but he is a very good hockey player. Like he's definitely a piece that you can you don't build around that piece, but he's one of the pieces that you need to have kind of in that like probably middle six type player mm-hmm. who can score goals. He's he's a physical presence. He's a good skater. I think we said this when the trade happened, like he's the big winner of this trade and he's proving that by scoring incredible goals and also, you know, just really looking more comfortable and more himself and being a more assertive hockey player uh, in Columbus. He's so, got some serious upside, though, that he's yeah. showing. Well, he never really played that much in Winnipeg. Like They had so many established players ahead of him. Now he gets a get-out-of-jail-free card, basically. Like, he, he, just, <laughs> he just passed go and collected $200 or, like, $1.6 million, whatever his contract is for. But, like, so... <laughs> He's really taken the opportunity presented to himself to take a step forward and for the first time take ownership of his hockey career because it feels like he didn't really have that opportunity Mm. in Winnipeg and now he does have that. And so I've watched a couple of the games, the Columbus games since he's been on the team and he seems like a completely different player compared to the guy who I used to watch in Winnipeg. I feel like we're going to have to talk about Columbus every day until Torts either is fired doesn't uh just stops coming to work or gets reset or signs a new contract at this point like you you kind of get the feeling that this is the end of torts in columbus like he'll obviously get another job somewhere but he's at the end of his contract you don't let a coach really get to the end of their contract that often and there have been no talks about a negotiation for a new deal for for him so it's kind of like which is weird i mean because you seem like or it seems to me like him and Jarmo get along and, you know, have been on the same page about these problem players. And then to just have a one year deal kind of sitting out there or one year left in your deal sort of sitting out there is, yeah, seems very strange and maybe not in keeping with what they'd want. So there have been some rumblings that Torts wants out. Well, maybe they want to hire Jeff Blaschel. <laughs> But also Torts has a big piece of property in Columbus or or near Columbus. So, you know, he's relatively established there and it's been a pretty comfy spot for him. You know, he's not had huge expectations. He's competed for the playoffs or, you know, existed in the sort of playoff bubble every every year. But yeah, if you can't get to another gear and start winning in the playoffs, you know, that's that's hard. Well, it depends on, you know, like as a franchise, what are your expectations for your current moment? And if you're trading for a player like Patrick Laine, you are probably starting to lean into a we should win kind of mindset. 
because otherwise, why make that trade? I understand that you you had a disgruntled player, but you don't trade for a Patrick Line unless you are aiming to do something more with your team, right? You trade for draft picks or whatever. So if they're starting to say, what else could we be as a team? Because they've got a good core. They've got Wawrenski, they've got Jones, they've got two good goalies. Uh, they have Line A now. Atkinson's a good player. Like There's good talent on that team. They need some pieces, but most teams do. So And bringing in a guy who can score 40 goals and crush your power play is a good way to kind of jumpstart that and is a player that centers would want to play with. So you can be like, hey... We need you to come be our number one center. Guess what you get to do? Set up Patrick Lining. That's a selling point. And so it'll be really interesting to see how this kind of plays out as we get towards the end of the season, uh, whether Columbus makes the playoffs or not, what happens with John Tortorella moving forward. Yeah, so Miko Koivu announced that he's retiring. Um, he's not played much, if at all, and doesn't look like he's going to play much if at all so you know controlling your own hockey destiny and ending your career on your own terms instead of just getting benched by torts for game after game after game is probably the way to do it well and miko koivu like six years ago would have been the quintessential torts player right like Mm -hmm. extremely good face-off player very skilled um like tactically and a very good two-way center. He's just so late in his career at this point. I know he got signed for center depth there in Columbus, and they desperately need center depth right now, but he's obviously not providing that for them. And if I were him, yeah, you probably are in Columbus while your family's in Minnesota or elsewhere. If you're not playing and you're not happy, go be with your family. You've had a heck of a Yeah, and you kind of wonder if those places that he's played you know being less prominent markets have played a role in him like not winning a selkie or is that more a function of the fact that there were always better players ahead of him in the selkie line essentially he was definitely a pretty amazing defensive center for years and years and years in minnesota you kind of wonder where his career ends up in the hall of very good well he was a captain in minnesota for gosh a long time and I can definitely see him being in like their ring of fame or whatever they call it up in Minnesota. Is it called the ring of fire if you're the Calgary Flames? If it isn't, that's a missed opportunity and they should feel bad about themselves. I think Sorry, I digress. <laughs> no, no, digressions are what we're it's like 90% of our podcast. Like we have a two-page script and then we talk for two and a half hours. But I think there's definitely a place for him and especially in the lore of the Minnesota Wild. So, instead of Dateline, we have Liney Line. <laughs> Dateline? Uh, Why don't you have a C? This poor guy. <laughs> well, Yeah, I, he's making the most of it, but also, <laughs> it's really weird. I, I don't know what to make of it. He he's getting benched, scores some goals, maybe gets benched again. He himself admitted that he deserved to get benched. I think the outrage there is from like Columbus fans and associated media who feel the need to be outraged over everything in sports now. Did you hear about the woman whose dad may or may not have crafted the Lombardi trophy for the NFL, the original one? She mm. demanded an apology from Tom Brady for throwing it from boat to boat. And it's just like, shut up. You you have done nothing, literally nothing with your life. And if you look at this, a picture of this woman, you're like, yeah, that's exactly who this is. You know, like... <laughs> 
I mean, that was a pretty uh, pretty bold move. Not one that I would have done with the Lombardi Trophy, but it, you know, when you win that many of them, they start to become dispensable. Apparently, he's probably like there's one in his dog's playpen or some crap. Like <laughs> he he's got so many of them, but so like unnecessary unnecessary outrage at something. Mm-hmm. Like we're better coaches than John Tortorella. You and I combined have like nine Stanley Cups in NHL twenty, so. We get to we get to critique John Tortorella for benching something like let's like give it a rest right like like this this feigned outrage and like I mean too he doesn't exactly do much to mitigate the outrage though I mean his whole like yeah I don't like to bench players well then what do you like to do motherfucker because that's all you do you do it all the time <laughs> like, Oliver Bjorkstrand's probably gonna get bench for farting on the bench. Miku Koivu was essentially just benching himself. Oh, yeah. You know, he wanted to not play the last season of his career. Like, he wanted to just sit on a taxi squad and fart around. People are going to get all bent out of shape. And the NHL media went bonkers over Patrick Laine getting benched for a period and a half. Laine immediately came out and was like, yeah, I got into it with a coach and I deserved it. And everybody was like, well, I think, oh, you think you deserved it. Oh, well, you're wrong. You didn't deserve it. <laughs> We're going to tell yeah, you right. why. It's this fake outrage. Like, yeah, and good like, for Liney to realize that he was in the wrong, whatever he said to the assistant coach or something. I imagine Liney yelling at an assistant coach is John Cleese yelling in uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a whore and your father smelled of elderberries. So go away before I taunt you a second time. Hopefully we've already established that we don't know what a Finnish accent is. So like <laughs> whatever that accent is it was in that but otherwise like Lainey's he's been scoring goals he's been playing the games that he hasn't been benched he's been playing like 20 minutes physical yeah he's been playing physically he got in a fight last night and I know he's not like one to shy away from that but it's definitely not part of his games quote-unquote you know so for him to just kind of assert himself into that lineup and play well right off the bat is really cool and so You know, I know we want to make, there was drama in Winnipeg. There was drama in Columbus with PLD. I know we want to kind of keep that drama train rolling, (laughs) but like, maybe we just let it go. Let's let line A be line A and score his beautiful goals. No offense to your Blackhawks, but that laser he had last night was a thing of beauty. None taken. He had a one-timer on the power play a couple of games ago and like the stick flex that he got shouldn't be legal. Like I, I think he's using a zero flex, something like that. It looked like a, it was, it looked like a boomerang. He's an incredible goal scorer. Let's just let the kid play hockey, and you know, hopefully, we'll see him be very successful in Columbus. I think I sort of know what is quote unquote wrong with him. I think he's sort of like a video game character in that he's really. Uh, interested in going one direction and that is towards the net that he scores in i've noticed like when he's skating back towards his own net like i don't know there's like a mental block there or something like he's just completely different skater in one direction as opposed to the other (laughs) well if so you're saying if he was a boy band he would be one direction Uh, you know he himself has said that he needs to work on the defensive side of his game and you know what? I'm guessing he, when people saw how good he was at scoring goals, they were like, you just do that. Don't even bother with the other stuff. And so 
now that he's in the NHL, it's like, okay, maybe I should learn the defensive side of this of the, mm-hmm. of the game. And he's never going to be a lockdown defender, but he might be good enough to put out there, you know, when you need him to be. He's probably not going to be a PK guy, but that's fine. Like, neither is Connor McDavid you know, or yeah. Leon Dreisaitl. Like, those guys. You didn't draft him to be a PK guy. Yeah. You, you draft. You, nobody's drafting Luke Glendening in the first round, all right? Like, we're, we need to. You, you get drafted second overall because you're Patrick Line, and Patrick Line scores goals. So, yeah, you need to be a complete hockey player or a more complete hockey player at that level. Telling him he needs to be a shutdown winger when. What Patrick Laine does is on the other end of the ice is kind of ridiculous. So, you know, kudos to him for acknowledging that he needs to work on that part of the game. But I'm not worried about his lack of interest in the defensive side. Do we Speaking wanna... of Carolina, yeah, the, the and uh, Columbus. Columbus Blue Jackets, Carolina also adds to the Columbus is a soap opera experience. It was one of the worst calls I can remember as a hockey fan in recent years. And then they fucked up the replay in a way that they actually attempted to mitigate in the offseason. And they just didn't, like, apply their own rules because of this, like, miscommunication issue they had. So the story goes that Columbus challenges the Carolina goal. And the puck had been in the zone for a little while at that point. And so they go way back to the zone entry and get, you know, the photo of the blue line. And Vincent Trocek is very clearly on the wrong side. I mean, we talked in the offseason about how, you know, you can you count as onside if your body is over the blue line, but your skates have to be in the neutral zone. The body position is very specific there. And Trocek was on the opposite side very clearly. But apparently someone in the building said good goal. And that's what the refs heard while they were sort of waiting for the replay officials to get their stuff together. And so they just like turned around and went and ran out and dropped the puck. And, you know, Toronto then figures out, no, this should not be a goal. And they were radioing to a guy, to the ref that's in the penalty box. But because of COVID, that ref immediately after the refs review the play spends a decent amount of time sanitizing the headset. And so he's sanitizing the headset as Toronto's like screaming into there saying, don't drop the puck, don't drop the puck. And they drop the puck anyways. And Columbus has to play shorthanded because they lost the challenge when they clearly shouldn't have. So they get 30 seconds or a minute into the power play and the period ends. And during the intermission, they decide to wave off the penalty because they clearly screwed this up. They didn't take the goal off. Apparently that's going too far. This giant clusterfuck of miscommunication and COVID protocols and and a trainee and leads to, you know, Lina getting spicy on Twitter about them uh, taking the penalty off, but not the goal. As, as a Lions fan who has gone through, let's say, challenging call, Detroit Lions fan, yeah, I know. But, I, I, uh, Megatron catch that wasn't a catch. That was catch, clearly a fucking no catch. catch. The the BS face masking call on prima donna Aaron Rodgers. I've seen. I I, I can feel for Columbus here, and I never mm-hmm. thought I'd say that about a team from Ohio. But <laughs> like, what a what an unfortunate series of events, and for a team that is has a decent shot of making the playoffs 
especially with Nashville being terrible this year, that fourth spot in the Central is wide open, I think. You know, you're looking at Carolina, Tampa, and Dallas as those top three teams, but then Columbus, Chicago, and Nashville. You know, that that fourth seed is, you know, Detroit's not going to make it. So it's really between Nashville, Columbus, I guess the Panthers are there. Uh, So Nashville, Columbus, the Panthers, and the Blackhawks. And so that one point in a shortened season could be a big difference. And if they miss the playoffs by a point, that's a killer. So hopefully it doesn't end up defining Columbus's season. I think they've had enough season-defining moments for one season or for one season already, uh, and especially in a shortened season. So at least the NHL came out and said, "Oh wow, uh, we screwed that up. We're sorry." They obviously can't go back and change the outcome of the game, but at least they admitted to it. Yeah, they lost by one goal. So yeah, if. It, it sucks for them, but mistakes happen. Refs are part of the game, both physically and mentally. And you yeah, would you hope can that the puck they off would. A ref. <laughs> oh, don't you? Don't I know? Yeah. One time a buddy good. just like went to dump a puck in and just put it right in the back of my fucking head under the helmet, too. Oh, well, hopefully he's not um, your buddy anymore. No, he still is, but. You know, he... I guess I shouldn't say something because I've also hit you in the head with a puck. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, you know, uh, puck magnet, right? <laughs> yeah, you're while well, you're a defenseman, that's what you do. Right. I really wish we kept blocks as a stat. I'd feel a whole lot better about how I play. But speaking of blocks, shots, they are not happening at the rate we want them to. So I'm putting a petition together to send to Congress for more shots. And Lil John <laughs> is going to co-sign my petition. Is it sponsored by Lil John? Co-sponsored. Yeah, he, he's going to write a big part of the language of the bill because it's just going to be shots, 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 shots. But uh, yeah, so shots last year averaged 31.3 per team per game. They'd been hovering around that 30, just above 31 for a couple of years. This year, they're at 29.8 per team. So that's a pretty significant dip. For the league, you don't think about it on a game-to-game basis. You're like, oh, a couple fewer shots here and there. But over an entire season, that's a lot fewer shots. The league has done a really good job of opening up offense. There's still been a decent amount of goals, especially in the North. But that also might be because their goalies aren't very good. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know how to kind of interpret the stat disparity that we see between the two years. You kind of wonder if it's sort of just sloppy play and not having training camp or if it's maybe play style and a lot more controlled entries that you know maybe don't lead to shots more readily or teams are trying to get better shots i'm seeing a lot more power plays where the team just moves the puck around and then like leaves the zone of their own accord i feel like then in any year past you know, maybe there's a greater influence on blocking shots as well. Kind of, mm. you know, we watched for a long time where like the point shot was the killer goal scoring. Like, and you had all these defensemen with cannons sitting on the point waiting for the shot. And we largely right. went when away we were, from that. When we were convinced PK Subban was going to be like a generational talent. Yes. And so we've, we've seen the league go away from that. It's much more get shots in front of the net in that high quality area right in front of the net. And so that's why the guy playing in the middle of the power play has become more instrumental to the success of a power play. You know, as a distributor, getting play, getting the puck over to either of the guys on the, on the boards, you've seen guys like Line A, guys like Ovechkin, Pasternak, who are thriving on killing shot that is becoming that trademark killer goal um, area 
I also think teams are scheming for a lot more tips than they used to. So you're seeing like, you know, bumper player like face up to a less powerful point shot and, and, you know, really try and tip it. I mean, like that's what Brady Kachuk scored game winning goal the other day. And he's kind of amazing at, and that's what made Joe Pavelski part of the scoring threat that he has become. Hopefully the NHL doesn't overreact. Usually they do, they tweak the rules every year. And I think they've done a really good job of tweaking them so that we have gotten a more fluid game than we were seeing in probably like the early nineties or even in the like late aught. But this isn't a regression that we need to overreact to. Hopefully it's just a, it's just a blip. And like I said, scoring doesn't seem like it's down. That's interesting that shots are down, but scoring isn't. Goals have stayed static at three, that being the average. So it went from 2.77 in 1617 to 2.97 in 1718. And then it's been 3.01, 3.02, 3.00. So like the goals have stayed relatively static. It's just that that shot number has gone down a little bit. And so hopefully, again, the NHL doesn't overreact and create some ridiculous rules you know, to, as, a, as an overreaction. Yeah, they're not going to be like Duncan Keith and try and pump up their Corsi numbers. Did you hear about that? And he, he like made some joke about pumping up his Corsi numbers to reporters. Well, I mean, if that's if that's how you want to live your life, man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of original ways to live your life, Tuca took quite a big journey. Tuca's been taking a lot of journeys lately. Like last year, he decided to leave the bubble for family reasons. Yeah, caught so much unheated shit for that. And then find out he did so for a very (laughs) smart, understandable, and probably just the right reason. Like his daughter had issues. And again, NHL media, fans of any sport, going to massively overreact, take everything as a slight. So in the middle of a two-to-one game, Tugaras decided that he was going to skate to the bench to get that extra attacker on. You know, usually there's a conversation between the bench and the goalie as to like making sure that, you know, that's an anticipated play, get the bench ready, whatever. Tuga just takes off, heads towards the bench and notices when he's about two thirds of the way there that the bench is like waving him back to the crease and saying, you know, get back, get back, get back. Boston, thankfully, has control of the puck in their own zone at that time. There's not a lot of pressure. So Tuca kind of shrugs and heads back to his crease and just takes a leisurely stroll. And <laughs> it comes Let's out get later some fresh air. that it was actually a 2-2 two to two game. And Tuca apparently hadn't been paying all that much attention to the actual game, except for the parts that he was inter- er, interacting with, and had decided to just go on a little fantasy trip. Later, he admitted afterwards, he's like, oh, I thought it was 2-1. to one. My bad. Nothing bad came of it. Marchand scored a goal quickly in overtime to end the game and to you know mitigate any potential damage from Tuca's wild ride. But just one of those things that makes the NHL so wonderful and weird is, you know, he's definitely one of the best goalies of his generation. Just going wild and out, going full Nick Cannon on a decision to like head to the bench. I'm waiting for the Brad Marchand response. (laughs) It is kind of nice to know sometimes that even professional athletes for all their practicing and polishing can still screw up in pretty hilariously amazing ways. I'm hoping this gets made into the, I don't even know, you know, the meme where it's like an adventure and, and it's a video, but you like, it's got the, the audio. It's like, and it's like just Tukaras adventuring through Europe and going to see like the Louvre and going through the universe, crossing Rainbow Road and really seeing the sights and taking it all in. 
someone made the one of those out of the uh, the Carey Price crab save thing from practice a couple weeks back, and it was pretty funny. So I think this is even more appropriate. We're t- we're talking about big journeys with Tuka Rask. Speaking of somebody who's been on a lifelong journey in the NHL, Alex Galchenyuk was traded again. Again. Alex Galchenyuk and Cedric Paquette were traded to Carolina for Ryan Zingle. The Zingle. Zingle. Also has been traded a bunch. Yes. He he's going back to Ottawa, who traded him before. He was playing a very reduced role in Carolina. He's a good player, decent player, so hopefully he gets more opportunity in Ottawa where there's And he was better before when he was in Ottawa. Yeah. If I remember a, correctly. He was a he was a big trade piece for Columbus that year they went all in when they still had Panarin they signed Duchesne they traded for Ryan Zingle as well um, in that mass when Mark Stone left as well I remember Uh, it was Duchesne's private plane with his wife and his dog and then they like pan back on a video and Ryan Zingle's in the back yeah (laughs) and as they're leaving uh, he was an afterthought kind of guy (laughs) yeah nice of them to include him on the flight but so he's heading back to Ottawa he'll have to sit out for a while before before he can play, obviously, with COVID protocols, but hopefully he gets another chance. Cedric Paquette had had a really rough go in Ottawa, hadn't been playing much, if at all. And Alex Galchenyuk is on his way to his sixth league city, which means he only has 25 left in his dream, in his mission to play for every NHL franchise. Unfortunately, that goes up next year. He'll have 26 teams to play for. But oh, he'll probably get drafted onto Seattle, I think. I don't know. Well, maybe he was immediately put on waivers by Carolina. So (laughs) there's there's a chance there for that. But, you know, he's already played for Montreal, Arizona. And it's it's not that he's played for six teams. It's that he's played for wildly divergent locations. He's gone from (laughs) Montreal to Arizona to Pittsburgh to Minnesota to Ottawa to Carolina. He has played everywhere except for L.A. at this point. So he is, you know, good on Alex Galchenyuk for really kind of pushing this through. And, you know, he does. He's he's a vagabond. He's a wayward soul. And he will hopefully at some point find a place that calms his nerves and allows him to settle down. But in the meantime, we should just appreciate Alex's journey. And, you know, be thankful that we have somebody who can show us the positives of that nomadic lifestyle. He's the closest thing the NHL has to a 1960s bohemian. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that he's both good enough to still be considered NHL caliber, but bad enough to just be this hot potato that can't stay with a team for very long and can't really meaningfully crack the lineup or score enough to kind of stay in a decent role but yet you know he came into the league with a pretty high pedigree and has the physical tools so it's kind of amazing that he's become this like postage stamp that just gets sent around from team to team i really hope that his frequent flyer mile collection is as good as i think it must be hopefully he's got a really good card he's got like a black amex or like the high-end airline miles cards and so he's just reaping rewards with this or you know if he has a family you know they're bouncing around so i'm imagining him like george clooney in up in the air he just has an empty apartment that he stays traveling so that he doesn't have to go home to and he's detached and defeated and uh very like emotionally uh insulated 
alienated from all of these situations. He's just, yeah, whatever. Travel water off this duck's back. Well, if ever there was a time to be insulated, it's now. So good for Alex. He's like a man of the step. Like he's always traveling, always going from place to place, has to go where water and resources are. In this case, it's the resources weren't there playing on Sidney Crosby's wing. So he's, he's now, he, was traded for, I think, Jason Zucker. And so yeah, Jason... Oh boy. Yeah. So, like, you know, good for him. Uh, I, I'm i guessing he's got a really great travel travel log out there somewhere. And, you know, hopefully he plays a game for Carolina before he's shuttled off somewhere else because <laughs> it would really be a bummer if he got to, like, 31 teams and he had technically been a member of the Carolina organization but didn't step on the ice for them. So we'll see. I mean, he was playing fourth line minutes in Ottawa, so his his time his time on the ice might be coming to an end. Yeah, and he's still only twenty seven. That's hard to believe. Been in the league a long time. He was third overall pick. Mm-hmm. He started he started playing in Montreal very quickly. I mean, I think that had a lot to do with the fact that he's six one and two hundred. Like you know, he, he looked like a man coming out of juniors. I remember. Well, in that 2012 draft that the top four picks are now Yakupov, Ryan Murray, Alex Galchenyuk, and Griffin, Griffin Reinhardt. Not, uh, not necessarily the best. Is that going to be the next draft here coming up? Is that the 2012 draft all over again? You mean for 2021? No, there are some pretty good prospects there at the top of that list, I think. I venture to think that that's similar in, to the draft that's coming up this year and then and then we have what's his face coming the year after. Yeah, the 2022 draft with Shane Wright amongst others is just loaded. So it's it'll be yeah, that'll be this year has uh, Owen Power, Matty Bernier, Ken Johnson. There's the kid out of Finland uh, whose name I forget. There's the goalie out of Sweden who's supposed to be really good. It's like the top two prospects are Americans, and then the next four are Swedes. So you kind of wonder what the deal is with Alex Galchenyuk and what you know, he would have to do to his game to stick around and be a contributor. Uh, score goals. That would probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's it for today. We hope you enjoyed listening, as always. And I'll say this probably seven or eight more times. Thank you for your time that you're putting in. Thank you for listening to us. If you want to contact us on social media, we are on all the social medias. Our website is handsomehockey.com. We are Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram, at Handsome Hockey on Twitter, or handsomehockeypod at gmail.com are all the ways you can contact us. Please reach out and you know let us know what you think of the show. If you think we should have less facial hair, more facial hair, if you think we're super cool and amazing or if you think you would rather listen to a tyrannosaurus do an impersonation of kanye west actually i would rather much rather listen to a tyrannosaurus doing an impersonation of kanye west than our podcast but we're a close second so please get in touch with us in any way you can i think you just blew my mind like trying to figure out what like how someone with short arms can work in a recording studio There'd have to be a mic stand for sure. Like he, mm-hmm. the Tyrannosaurus can't hold the mic, but if there was a mic stand, I think they could do a very honest Kanye West impersonation and maybe it would be less controversial. Thank you for your time that you're putting in. Stay handsome and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.